Good morning, family. I want to welcome uh, those of you who are visiting with us. We're so glad that you have chosen to worship with us. We pray that this gathering would point you to the leader of this family, which is Jesus Christ. We're seeking to be a family of followers of Jesus who help others follow Jesus. And again, we are so glad that you are here with us. Uh, as we begin this series on prayer called Immeasurably More, I thought it appropriate to start my message in prayer. So, Father, we just pray that your spirit, your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Show us how amazing you are. Show us how amazing your son Jesus is. Father, we pray that you would do things that we more than we could ask or imagine. Even this morning, we wait expectantly to hear from you, to experience you. To know you. And all Kettlebrook family said. Amen. Amen. If you are visiting with us. My name is Ryan and I'm one of the leaders here in our family. And I'm really excited to kick off this four week series. uh, Called prayer immeasurably more. You heard Troy talk at our January 5th um, gathering. That prayer is something that we really as a family want to grow in. This year because it's so essential to following Jesus. This past two Sundays ago, I think it was, or this past Sunday, they all run together. Uh, I was watching the Grammys. Now, when I say watching the Grammys, I happened upon it for about five minutes. And that's all I saw of it. But I'm glad I saw what I did see. Uh, if I put up this image, I want someone to tell me what this is. Or who this is. Sorry, not what. This is Demi Lovato. You guys know who Demi Lovato is? Um, yeah, I think she, I, I looked up her bio and, and she started off on, it wasn't Mickey Mouse, but it was something like that, something Disney. And she's a pop icon, so to speak, super popular, super well-known. Um, but as I watched her, she was singing this song called Anymore. And it was really an emotive experience. It was emotional. She had to stop about five, ten seconds into her song and start again. And she had a tear rolling down her cheek as she sang that song. See, she wrote the lyrics to this song four days before an overdose in 2018. And this was the first time that she had performed it live. Afterwards, she said this song was written and recorded very shortly before everything happened. I listened back to it and I wish I could help that version of myself. The song was a cry for help, she said. I just want to share the lyrics with you. Now, note to parents, if you're going to listen to this afterwards with your kids, there is one profanity in this song. Just as an FYI, I'm not sharing those lyrics with you this morning, okay? I'm sharing the other, but just FYI. I tried to talk to my piano. I tried to talk to my guitar, talk to my imagination, confided in alcohol. I tried and tried and tried some more, told secrets till my voice was sore, tired of empty conversation because no one hears me anymore. A hundred million stories and a hundred million songs. I feel stupid when I sing. Nobody's listening to me. Nobody's listening. I talk to shooting stars, but they always get it wrong. I feel stupid when I pray. So why am I praying anyway if nobody's listening? Anyone, please send me anyone. Lord, is there anyone? I need someone. Anyone, please send me anyone. Lord, is there anyone? I need someone. I used to crave the world's attention. I think I cried too many times. I just need some more affection, anything to get me by. And then she goes on and she says the same chorus again, 100 million stories. And then I feel stupid when I pray. So why am I praying anyway if nobody's listening? Anyone, please send me anyone. Is there anyone? And I saw her sing that song. And I saw the emotion with which that singing song. And I just wanted to reach out and say, Demi, 
there is someone. And you referenced him in that song. And I don't know what her faith looks like, but I was like, man, if you knew him, things would be different. And see, if, if you look at, as we're talking about this uh, idea and this practice and this discipline that's been around as long as, you know, Christians have followed God and even before prayer, here's how we talk about it. One of the most widely celebrated practices, no matter the religion, is prayer. People all across the world pray to someone and pray for certain things. Oftentimes prayer amounts to us asking for certain things at certain times when we find ourselves in a jam. Maybe you can relate. I can. Right? Sometimes what we think about with prayer and maybe what we primarily think about with prayer or only think about with prayer is when I'm in trouble, I go to God. Let me just say, God wants us to go to him when we're in trouble. We need to go to him when we're in trouble and desperation. When a brother in Christ is on life's last limb in the hospital, we need to go to God and ask him to do something. But I wonder if prayer is something so much more even than just going to God and asking for things. What if prayer was immeasurably more than this? What if prayer was the pathway to knowing God as Father? What if prayer was the gateway to experiencing God's power and hope and love? What if prayer wasn't just for us, but somehow helped shape ourselves and others to know and become more like Jesus? What if prayer was immeasurably more than we thought? And what if it was relational in nature with God as Father? See, over the course of the next four weeks, what we're going to hope to do is both through teaching and experience and take-home resources is cast a bigger net, cast a bigger vision for what prayer is and how we can incorporate it into our communal life and our individual lives. And to do this, we're going to look at four prayers that one of the earliest Christ followers, one of the foremost leaders, Paul, prayed for the followers of Jesus in a city called Ephesus. So to do that, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to turn there with me. Ephesians 1, verse 17. And again, Paul was one of the foremost leaders amongst the early Christ followers. He used to hate God and persecute those who followed God. We're just going through with the guys I get together with. Ananias, he tells, lay your hands on Saul because he's going to come to know me and follow me. And Ananias is like, that guy's going to kill me or put me in prison. That was Paul formerly. He met Jesus and then he became one of the foremost advocates for Jesus. Going and sharing about Jesus and starting these little families of followers of Jesus called churches all over. Amazing. So after a short greeting in verses 1 and 2, verses 3 to 14, talk about all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ is my heading. And then we get down to 15, and Paul begins to pray for the Ephesian Christ followers. Let's read verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And this is just one verse, but it's amazing when you just take some time and and meditate on a verse. Like, we could do four sermons on this. We're not going to, but we could. Look Look at everything it talks about. We've got God the Father in it, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, and then God's Holy Spirit all in one verse that it talks about. Uh, it says that the Father is glorious. 
And and we know that Paul is asking that this glorious father of the Lord Jesus Christ would allow the Ephesian followers of Jesus. He would reveal to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know God better. That they would know God better. And if we would look at the previous couple verses, we would know that he doesn't just ask this once. When he thinks of the followers of Jesus in Ephesus, this is a repeated theme. Know him better. Know God better. Know God better. Know God better. Now again, if this is one of the foremost early followers of Jesus, one of the foremost leaders, why in the world would a consistent prayer be that they would know God better? Why would that be? You guys can talk to me. He's worth knowing better. He's worth knowing better. That's a good thought, too. We don't care sometimes even enough to know. Yeah, I mean, if I were to think about one prayer, I've got this little sheet. This is Ephesians 1 and 3 here. It's all tattered up. It's taped on the edges, but not daily, but regularly. I pray this for us, family. I pray this for us because at the end of the day, is there really anything more foundational, more elemental, more important than knowing God? There's uh, five of us who are in something called a coaching cohort. What we do is we meet with a coach, uh, another pastor, church planter who lives in Texas for 90 minutes every other week. And what we're talking about is how can we as a family continue to develop more and more missional leaders? And so one of the things, one of the projects that we've come up with that we want to do is a three-part teaching and experiential group module. And the first one is knowing God's eternal story. We're family. The second one is growing in the God's story, the gospel, to become more like Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. The third one is showing God's gospel with everyone, helping others follow Jesus. Why would we start... Way back here, as we're developing this, with knowing God's eternal gospel story and knowing God. Because that's essential. That's foundational. That's elemental. And as we talk about prayer, really, that's one of the things about prayer that's most important is, yes, we go to God for things. But I don't know if it's so much as going to, as much as going to, but knowing God. Right? We need to go to God with things, but it's really about knowing God and experiencing intimacy with God at its core. I want to show you a couple of images. Maybe we've already got it up. There we go. Tell me what you see in this image. Mountains. Yeah, what else? Valleys. Okay, what else? City. Yeah, what I see is the place that I want to go tomorrow. Right? Like, isn't that amazing? I see that, like, the mountains are calling and I must go. I've seen that t-shirt before. But isn't that just gorgeous? Isn't it magnificent? Couldn't we even call it glorious? Tell me what you see here. Not a trick question. Fog. Yeah, or it's blurred out. Right? It's, it's different. Now, here's my question. Between image one and image two... Have the mountains changed? No, but has our perception of them? Our perception of them has changed. Family, our glorious Father, 
as seen in the person and work of Jesus Christ, as experienced in the power of God's Holy Spirit. The scriptures say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change like the shifting shadows. His glory, it's matchless. It's magnificent. It's constant. But here's what I wonder. If primarily or only our prayer lives consist of us going to God for things, when we're in trouble, notice I said only, we need to do this. But if that's only or if that's primarily what our prayer lives are, I wonder if our experience of the glory of God is more like this blurred or this foggy picture. We don't see him for who he really is. And thus our relationship with him is not what he would desire. See, the Apostle Paul, he knows that within this activity of prayer, within this discipline, there's relational intimacy that's meant to be experienced with the glorious Father who wants to do what Paul said and reveal himself to us so that we might know him better. See, prayer is more than just going to God. Prayer is about knowing God. How many of you are parents or have been parents? Not saying necessarily you've experienced, but I bet all of you have. How many of you have ever felt like, man, it just feels like my kids are going to me when they want stuff. I need some money for this. I need some clothes for that. I need some dishes. I need this. I need that. I need $100 for a field trip. That was a joke. I'm not bitter. (laughs) Maybe a little. Okay, so... How many of you have ever experienced that, right? Oh, it's like kind of, I want, I want, I need, I need. What about Bob, right? And if that happens, what do you feel like in that relationship? What does that relationship feel like at that point? Being used and or taken advantage or one-sided or, or maybe that they're just coming to you when they need things or want things, right? Maybe when they're just coming to you when they need things or want things. And I wonder, family, if God the Father, through this activity of prayer, this relational activity of prayer, has so much more for us as his followers than we could ask or imagine. Brother Andrew is a a gentleman who smuggled Bibles and smuggled Christian kind of literature, etc., into communistic countries starting in Poland. And he opened up a ministry, an organization called Open Doors. Some of you may be heard of. He has this to say in his book, Prayer, the Real Battle. He says, as I listen to people pray in Holland or the United States or other free countries, it sounds like our prayers are mostly self-centered. God, here's what I want. Now, it's fine to pray about our jobs and our children and our finances. Again, we would agree. Of course we ask God to heal our sick neighbors and provide safe travels for our loved ones. However, if that's all we do, if that's all we do, we're missing out on a great adventure. God invites us to influence our community, our nation, and the world to literally direct history while we're on our knees. This is why there's a group of people who fast and pray for a certain area in southern Russia every Wednesday. This is why people get together every Tuesday morning here in the conference room, which is what you're going to hear about. This is why you and me, as God's family members in our own living rooms, as we wake up or before we go to bed, relate to God through prayer. Yes, we go to Him with our needs. Yes, we go to Him when we're in a jam. But we also pray to know God. To know his love, to know his glory, to know his power, to know 
Him. To know Him. Something that concerns me as I, I think about being a part of our spiritual family here for, for a year on, uh, what, 10 or 11 years now, is maybe there is someone who would regularly attend our Sunday gatherings. Maybe they're in a group even outside of our Sunday morning gatherings, small group, a discipleship group, triad, huddle. Maybe they hear all sorts of sermons. They sing all sorts of songs. They do all sorts of studies. But is there a chance that they don't know God, but they know about God? See, I've seen countless people. Maybe they've come from another tradition, which is amazing, where they grew up and they disconnected, they weren't engaged anymore, and they found Kettlebrook, and they like the messages, they feel like they're relevant from the scriptures, they like the music worship, like it's more contemporary. And yet I wonder, do they know Jesus? Do they know Jesus? And what I mean by that is that they've personally experienced relationship with the Jesus where the Holy Spirit has come into their lives, has made them new, is changing them from the inside out to where they can stand and say, I'm a dearly loved son and daughter of God. Not perfectly, but I'm experiencing intimacy with God the Father through faith in his son and the Holy Spirit keeps confirming that to my heart. I didn't see this, but I was told about this by some friends. Anybody like Antique Roadshow? Okay. Anybody see this episode? I watched the YouTube of it. I think it was on just this past week. So there's a gentleman uh, on the right here, and he brings in this Rolex that he had bought in the early 70s while he was in the service. He bought it originally to be used as a scuba diving watch, because I guess Rolexes can do that. Uh, he said it was too nice, so I never ended up using it for that. And so he bought it in the early 70s, and we're seeing this, what, 2020, 2019? I don't know when it was taped. But look at that. He's got a mint watch. Uh, at one point in the YouTube clip that I saw, they turned the watch over. It's still got the, like, the numbers ceiling that it's an original, meaning it's never been worn. He's got the original box, the original guarantee, the original manual, the original outer box. I mean, everything is mint on this Rolex. So he's like, I probably know this is worth some money, but I just, I'm going to throw, whoa fall off the stage. I'm going to throw it out there. Good thing I have cat-like reflexes. So I'm just going to, don't do that if you're ever giving a message. So I'm just going to throw it out there and see what this thing is worth. Does anyone remember what this is worth? $500,000 to $750,000. And this guy fake fainted, like kind of like that, but he fell over. He fell over, right? He was floored at what this was worth. Family, could it be that oftentimes we miss how glorious God the Father is and we don't give him the worth he's due? And I wonder if one of the things the activities of prayer is meant to do is, yes, we go to God with what we need, but man, we experience how glorious and good he is. Amen? We experience how awesome his power is, how deep his love is. This last Friday night, I had a time where it was just Ben and I because my daughter and my wife were out. And so what we like to do sometimes is we like to go to Burger King together. Don't worry, the Impossible Whopper. It's plant-based. It is pretty good. So anyways, we're going to go to Burger King. And Troy is like, I'll talk to you later. So anyways, we're... <laughs> so we, Ben is like, hey, can you just go get the stuff and bring it home? And I'm like, No. 
I'm like, I want to go and sit across from you and relate to you, spend time with you. When I go take my daughter for ice cream, I'm like, it's really just a bribe to spend time with you. Right? One of my favorite things to do with my wife is to walk at night. We do it really regularly. Yes, I like exercise, but why do I like it? Because it's an easy way for me to relate with her, to talk with her, to listen to her, to hear from her. Is prayer with God any different? We're relating to Him. We're, yes, talking to Him. But we're listening from this, through the Spirit to Him. We're hearing through the Spirit from Him. And so, family, what we want to do is throughout this series, both in the teaching and the experience and the take-home, is we want to try and equip ourselves to maybe think about and practice prayer maybe differently, to see it as immeasurably more maybe than we currently do. I'm going to lead us in a time of guided prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with ourselves. Next, we're going to move to someone we know or think about in the Kettlebrook family or the whole Kettlebrook family. When he's talking in this passage, all the pronouns are in the plural. So he's talking about the Ephesians that include individual Ephesians. Then we're going to go outside of us into our local community. And then we're going to go to the nations. Here's what I'd encourage you to do. I'm going to start us out in prayer. But I'd encourage you to feel free. If you want, you can get out and you can kneel. If you want, you can stay seated. If you want, you can stand. Either way, you could raise your hands, whatever you feel comfortable doing. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Father, you are so good to us. You're so glorious. We see that shown in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We experience that literally in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. At this time, Father, we pray that in a new and a fresh way that you would either show or affirm your glory to each family member here reveal yourself so that they might know you better ask God to do that
Now, Father, we pray that you would put someone specifically in this family, this spiritual family, on our heart to pray for, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they might know you better. And or you pray for Kettlebrook as a whole. Pray for that now. I'd ask you to pray for someone outside of our spiritual family. It could be a, another church in our community. It could be a leader of that. It could be a person, another follower of Jesus in our community. It could be someone who is our next door neighbor, our coworker, our family member who does not yet know God through faith in Jesus Christ. Pray whoever God brings to mind, whatever group God brings to mind, might we pray that he would reveal himself to them so that they might know him better.
spread out a little more and let's pray for the nations. If you don't know what to pray for, you can pray for Sally in Chad, Africa. You can pray for Eric and Molly Croner and their teammates. You can pray for those that they are seeking to show the glory of the Father through Jesus Christ. You can pray for the Heidenreichs and all they're doing to equip Muslim background believers here in the States. You can pray for Savoj, who we've been praying for. You could pray for Kurt and Kim and the NCs. Father, we pray, whoever you put on our heart, we ask that you would reveal yourself so that they may know you and or know you better. Pray for that group, that person. So, Father, we keep asking that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in all your glory, might give us and all those we prayed for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. And the whole family said, 